Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast, your weekly insights to spiritual growth and business success with Adam Hergenrother and Hallie Warner. It was really fun last night. I, uh, well, actually, take this back a little bit. Last year, I picked up my uh, son and we brought him to his first last pra- lax practice, lacrosse practice, which is, I think it's one of the fastest besides pickleball growing sport in America right now, which is really fun, by the way. Um, and I still want to invest into the PLL, which is professional lacrosse league I'm trying to figure out how to do that but it's privately owned right now and they're opening fun anyways this is besides the point i started coaching uh lacrosse and i didn't know anything about I it i didn't know sorry this total aside but yeah. i didn't know you wanted to do that um and you got to share those things with me because uh, you know where my immediately my mind went to where who's the chief of staff and who's the executive assistant of that company yes. yeah. let me go talk to them yes. and let's see what we can do that's exactly right <laughs> i like that that's why i'm sharing it now yeah. it just happens to be recording so it's perfect. Um, I actually had Kem reach out too as well, and he looked into the rounds of funding they're doing. Anyways, there's, oh, yeah. and, and now I don't know if you saw this, they're actually trying to vote for which city to allow the teams come into. This just happened like two weeks ago. Oh, cool. Uh, where they're basically, I think they're picking, I think it's like eight cities. They're going to have teams representing cities now, kind of like how traditional sports is going. Mm-hmm. And so they got to vote for like, like they're going to the, the, the voters' choice, like which cities do you want to see professional lacrosse teams in, right? To start kind of building this, and now they're building these massive stadiums and and trying to you know get sixty thousand people. So, anyways, there's a big push to think. I think in the next ten years, lacrosse was is going to be up there, um, rivaling or knocking at the door for some of these traditional sports that we see, like football. I do football, yeah, baseball soccer. particularly. Oh, baseball! Interesting. Yeah. Um, it you know lacrosse is a, a great uh, kind of blend between hockey soccer and football it's mm-hmm. physical but it's not the hits of like football mm-hmm. uh, it can be but very rarely it's not like football not that like way. and it's people. super it's super uh fast paced yes. it's moving uh it's really fun to play anyway so we started coaching it and i was like man i wish i had played i was always a football and hockey guy right yeah. and i was like i wish i had played lacrosse and then i played rugby in college and so i was like there was no lacrosse in in our high school it wasn't even around right yeah. anywhere it's up in the northeast and so finally it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, I'm sick of complaining about the fact that I've never been able to play lacrosse. And so I just started searching and I found a men's league that plays at UVM, New Virtual Stadium, which is a big new turf field for lacrosse at UVM, which UVM was actually in the uh, championship uh, this year, which was awesome. Uh, and so I played my first game last night against all these college kids. Uh, there was like half were like just graduated or graduated from playing college. Uh, if not, the other ones had played in college. And I was sitting on the sidelines and I was like, I was talking to one of the guys after like the first shift or, or so. And he's like, yeah, he was telling me where he played. And I remember. And I was like, yeah, it's my first game. And he's like, oh, first game since college. And I'm like, no, no, no. This was my first game I ever played. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, wow, that's really ballsy. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, I, was like, I, don't know. I just wanted to go out there and do it. It was fun. Um, it was, I learned a lot. Uh, it also helps me become a better coach. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing this is so I can become a better coach for the, the players because yeah, yeah. it, it's best how to like learn positions and kind of how to play that from there. Uh, and, I, and it's also very humbling because, you know, it's so easy to yell at a kid trying to do this. And when you're actually in the field trying to do it, it's so much harder than it, than it looks, especially with all that equipment on. So it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun and, That's awesome. and a lot of experience. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Cool. I, I mean, I, I love lacrosse, but I haven't watched a game. I mean, do they even like televised games? Yeah, they do. The PL is on uh, the championship. Yeah, I guess I've maybe seen a couple yeah. of games like yeah. college games you watch i mean people hear it first i know this is where business and spirituality but on the business side if you can start looking at like how do you invest into lacrosse or how do you get into anyways i think that's that's or pickleball pickle, pickleball too as well there's <laughs> a lot of people going to pickleball i just yeah. think i just think lacrosse is going to be 
it's a really fun sport. Like my well, mom there's watches advertising opportunities yes, there, which yes. means revenue therefore there's going to there. be revenue. You yeah. can have like, you know, you can have, I guess you could have for pickleball too, but cities can now be represented. Yes. And, that and then you get good everybody. apparel and then, now you yes, have, yeah, exactly. then you've got, yeah. Exactly right. But it's funny because my mom goes to all of her grandkids stuff. Like, and she loves all of her grandkids equally, yeah. but she's like, I gotta tell you, like watching Asher, who's my nine-year-old and both my girls play lacrosse too as well. But she's like, watching the boys play lacrosse is by far the most entertaining thing that I get to watch of all my grand. And this is fun. And it's yeah. even my girls say like, wow, boys across is just more fun to watch than girls. Um, but they're both fun. Well, they're both fun. That's just what they say. Yeah. Um, they're both fun. Yeah. Okay. Both okay. fun. I, I've got to, I haven't watched both in a while, so I need to, I need to see for myself, which one's more, yeah. more entertaining. Um, but that's interesting because I, I guarantee, sorry, this is going to be like me. <laughs> I'm reading a book right now called let's get physical about um, women's, like the rise of fitness, the fitness culture for women in particular. But so as you're talking about the PLL, which is the professional lacrosse, lacrosse league, league yep. immediately I'm like, we're talking about men's lacrosse. We're not talking about women's lacrosse. Yes. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can talk about women's if you want. Well, I'm, ju- I'm just saying in general, like, why? Yeah. It's just an interesting cultural thing that any women's sport sport does not attract the same level of advertising dollars, revenue, following, etc. as men's sports does. And I don't know why necessarily, other than the fact that, you know, it's more entertaining to watch boys' sports or men's sports. Um, so I don't have an answer for it, but I just think it's an interesting yeah. observation and one that yes. I like to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, let me know when you come up with that. Um, yeah, I don't have a solution. I just, again, think it's, I mean, it's just, you can see it. It's happened from the beginning of time, really. Um, I think it's like a physicality thing. <laughs> I don't mean that in any other way, but no, just like, it's, it's not, it's a cultural, it's a cultural and a societal, societal mindset that women are not as, are, are, are not as physical and are inferior to men in many ways. And that goes to sports as well. I wonder if, um, I wonder if that's also put into the rules like I think about lacrosse for example right and and again this is I'm just you brought the conversation up I was just curious about this because women's lacrosse you can't check you yeah and why not that's what I mean like that's that's my point like it's like so it's part of it's like put into the rules of it sure 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 yes some some of it is and maybe that'll that'll start changing and that might start changing some of the dynamics of um why not right I guess there's women MMA I was just thinking, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No rules, same rules there. Correct, and and women's soccer Locking, is the same. Yeah. yeah, so a Basketball. lot of the rules are are the same, but uh, but still, the viewership does yeah. not yeah. does not equal that of men's sports. And there's lots of it's like which comes first, a chicken, yeah. or the, yeah. chicken or the egg, and we can you know trace that back to whatever the beginning of time, yeah. yeah. I would, my only point is like if you enjoy playing a sport, go out and play it. And the whole point of me actually sharing that story was that like it was it was uncomfortable going out and playing with a bunch of college because people thought I was crazy to go out there and do that. But it's yeah. like sometimes you also have to just put yourself out in situations and just take action. And you learn a lot. I learned a lot. Uh, and I had a lot of fun. It was we yeah, played for ninety awesome. minutes. I burned like two thousand calories. Like it was, you know, my daughter came with me and she had a lot of fun and it was just a really cool experience. That's so awesome. just go out there and lean in. Yeah. Um, okay. So Last week, and you know Janet, she's mm-hmm. our she's our TM teacher. So last week I spent some time with her at their new TM center. And one of the things I, for some reason we got onto this topic that I kept think, talking about with her, but it's been coming up in a lot of the books I've been reading. It comes up in sometimes our conversations. 
And so we were talking about this whole concept of getting out of our head or getting out of my head and into my body, getting out of our heads and into our bodies. And like, what does that mean exactly? Like I have my own interpretation of what that means, but what does it mean and why is it important? Your, your, your interpretation, my guess is probably uh, accurate, but really it's a technique designed to get out of your mind. And if you put your awareness or consciousness on your body, you can't be in your mind. So really what it is, is just, it's just an, any other technique. Like you could basically take your energy and put it in, right between your eyes. And if you hold it there, like your, your energy will naturally kind of rise up to that because you're not allowing your mind to take you over. So when you go to your body or feel the presence of your body or like I, everyone that's listening right now, if you just took all your energy or your consciousness and say, I'm going to feel my hand in those moments that you're feeling your hand, you're not listening to your mind. So when you go to your body, what you're doing is you're getting yourself, you're basically putting yourself in the present moment mm-hmm. or a seat of consciousness where you're aware that you can direct your consciousness and you're directing in a way. Whereas uh, when you're, the mind just grabs your consciousness and grabs your awareness without you naturally knowing it. And that's why people, that's why this whole thing, when, it's, when people talk about waking up or being conscious or witness consciousness, it's just you being seated, being aware, the exer- the observer of the experience that's happening. And so when you go to your body, like I'm going to feel my toes, I'm going to feel my my hands, the energy and the, the liveliness, it grounds you back in that seat of self and it puts you back in the present moment. And then what if you watch, if you do this for like five minutes, you'll notice that over that five minutes, a hundred times you get pulled from that presence of your body back into the mind or back to that voice trying to grab you or an emotion grabbing you. Most likely it's a thought first that's trying to grab you. And then you can pull yourself back into feeling your hands or your presence. So a technique you can always use if like you're in a meeting, you're in a situation that becomes, um, you become anxious or stressed or scared or whatever it is, you're starting to pull away. If you can, if you can remember to go, oh, can I feel my hands at this moment? Like that's a technique you can use. Can I feel the presence of my hands? It'll put you back in presence, right? It'll, it'll keep you there. Uh, more engaged and longer so you're not necessarily attached to the mind by the way the more you do this and the more you become present in this uh the longer the this 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 uh this the longer you have before the the mind will grab you right like it's in the beginning it you're it's so it's nanoseconds so the mind comes up and you just naturally put your attention on the on the on the voice and you're just not even realizing you're doing this over time, that starts to separate. And so the, all of a sudden, it's almost like, you, I almost see it like it's like you can, this is just like playing voice in my head. It's almost like, like I'm using it and I'm just getting my own thoughts out. And it's basically like, oh, here it comes again. Do I want to touch this or not touch this, right? It's almost like you've got this runway now that you can decide whether or not you want to engage or allow yourself to be distracted by this, this psyche that basically uses the mind to communicate, right? Or do you want to put yourself back in presence? Can I tell you what my interpretation of it is and tell me if I'm wrong or not or like what comes up for me? I, I think I think we're probably saying the same thing, but you're almost saying it like 10 levels more spiritually evolved than I think where I, where I see it, maybe. I don't know. I, anyway, sure. so what initially comes up for me when I hear that is I think of myself and all of these people that I know who are constantly in their head, meaning – they're listening to their thoughts. They're overthinking. They're constantly overwhelmed because there's just so much literally. They're listening to the mind constantly, right? And and or they, like me, you know, like live in my head a lot. Like to think through, through things, like to overthink, like to analyze, like to be right. Like all of those things that are more of like an intellectual rather than 
for me, it means moving kind of more from the mind and the intellect to um, instead of listening to the mind, more so listening to the body, meaning paying attention to this actual, this physical body that we live in, that's our home and not always living in the mind and um, listening to our gut or to our heart or to our intuition or to that inner knowing instead of always like living in the intellect. Um, so that's kind of what it means to me is like not listening to the mind, but listening to the body and getting out of your head, this constant loop of thoughts and think thinking and Let me ask you a question. paying attention to the body. I don't paying attention is a better word. I don't think you listen to your body. I think you experience and feel your body. Yeah, I guess that's what yeah. I mean. Maybe not listen to, but well, you listen to the mind. That's why it's funny you use the yeah. language because you're 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 used to using it. I think the, the question you, I, people do listen to their body, don't they? In terms of like, um, like a knowing or like they listen to their their gut, which they're basically just saying is an inner knowing. Well, I think when you when you listen to anything, it has to mean that there's a voice in there that you're hearing. Otherwise, okay. you feel yeah, maybe your that's body. not the right word. I just what mean. people say when they're doing that is they say, "I'm listening to my gut." You're basically I don't. I think most people are. are uh, I mean, this isn't a popular answer, uh, but I think most people are just listening to a uh, a different shape of the ego. Because um, so what, when you say I, I'm listen, listening to my knowing, because if there's a if there's a listening. voice coming up that if you're not okay, this is the, the the fundamental thing. If you're not okay at some point, you're really going to the mind to not really solve problems. The problem that you're trying to solve is that you're not you're not okay. There's the whole difference of using your analytical mind to solve a business challenge, a personal challenge, to work through things. That's the beauty of using your mind. That's the whole point. It's like a built-in computer that you just get, right? Mm-hmm. It's the best computer that's out there. But what most people will say when they're doing that is they're actually using their mind to try to solve the fact that they're not okay. And so when, when they go to their when they go to their gut, right, they, it's the motion they get maybe aware for a second, and then all of a sudden this 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 thought will come up and you go, I'm listening to my mind. There's a difference between a thought showing up that comes from the kind of personal mind based on its own experience that has happened that's trying to answer the question of why am I not okay? And then it shows up and says, I will tell you why you're not okay and this is what you need to do and you go, I'm going to go listen to that versus the the real kind of spiritual heart like following that is more of what the Tao was written for, which is non-action and action. And the reason why that gets confusing is non-action, what that means is it's not personal action. So it's not the mind generating something for you to be okay. It's pure action without thought. So meaning you're actually just spontaneously moving. So you're actually not even thinking about your thought. You're just moving in harmony with things. That's when people say action with no action. Mm-hmm. What, they're, what they're trying to really say there is in a different way is that the personal mind is always the one directing everyone's activities. And the reason why it is, and it's not its fault, you're asking it to. You're basically saying, people don't say this in their mind, but if you watch it long enough, what you're really doing is you're going, I don't feel okay. And you go, I feel fine. Yes, you relatively may be okay, but I'm anxious or what if this happened this way or um, I'm trying to get something from this particular part of the day or something, whatever it is. And the mind goes out there and the personal mind tries to orchestrate how to make that happen for you. And mm-hmm. so that's what's typically happening. So when you go to the, the body, mm-hmm. you're outside of the personal mind and you're just feeling your body and you put you more in that witness consciousness or that Tao state to take action without action. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's probably what I was trying to say. <laughs> well, no, I think you're, yeah, you're saying yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And, and for you, who is highly intellectual, right? You're, you're much more intellectual than well, I am. I was even, sorry, I was going to say it's almost, 
um, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I literally have to, maybe that's why I have to like tell myself mm-hmm. to, cause even like, it's like, you, I just sit and think a lot mm-hmm. and that, and like, I almost ignore the fact that I even have a body. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I yes. was trying to say. Yes. And that's what well, I was you live in your to, head so much. Yes. And I was just trying to talk to Janet about, and obviously that's created health problems for me yeah. because I'm so in my head that I, I literally forget that I have. I know that sounds weird, but like it's like I forget I have a body. Well, what you've what you've done is you've built a concept around your intellect inside your mind, and that's where you hide. Yeah, probably. Yes, probably. Yeah. And that's what yeah. everyone does, just with something different. Right. By the right, way, right. Okay. Everyone does that. That's the whole point of the psyche or the ego is it's self built, and you hide there because it's it's preferable. It's yes. easy to go to, and it, it could even be causing you problems. You just it's known. <laughs> And so yeah. you go to where this concept that you built inside about, and that concept has pulled you so far away from your body, which by the way, it's like 99% of everybody else as well too. Yeah. So when I hear it, it actually, I'm almost thinking of it in a very literal sense. Like I literally need to get out of my head and literally pay attention to the fact that I have a body. Yeah. I'm not just a mind. Yeah. The, the, so what, there's like the spiritual part of it, but there's also like a literal part. Well, no. Too. Well, they're, they're both when you feel the the physical experience of your body and you're actually putting your consciousness in there, you can't be in the mind at the same time. Now, it'll, nanoseconds, it'll change. You'll notice it like you're feeling your arms or feeling your hands and all of a sudden you, you realize you're caught in your mind again and then you go back to your hands. Like it'll happen really fast, but the more you can, you can bring your presence to that. It's like, that's why... Just when you walk to the bathroom next time, not just you, but anybody, when you walk in the bathroom, see if you're actually walking. I know you're walking, but what you're really doing is you're listening to your mind. Right, right. Instead of actually being, paying attention to the steps that you're taking. And so over time, as you work on this, you'll, that'll start to evaporate and you just find yourself moving towards the bathroom. I once heard that and I, you know, it's so funny. Um, I heard that a long time ago and it didn't make any sense to me. Uh, about like, you'll just find yourself moving these, and I was like, what does that mean? And there was, I don't know why I hung on to that sentence for a while. Some people pick up different things. And I started to really understand this more this year. It's just like, you just find yourself moving. It's not, because what it is, it's not a predetermined thought. It doesn't mean you can't do that with, with goals or objectives or figuring out how to get to the airport. Like, that's fine. You're using your mind for those things, which by the way, you're using the mind. All the other activity is the mind using you. And really what that means is the mind is the self-concept that you created is grabbing your attention. And now you're so far addicted to it that you forget you have a body, that you forget that there's this other moments that are happening. And the whole definition of ego, by the way, is just I, me, and me, basically, right? I know I've said that twice, but me, like- Me, myself, and I. Whatever. Like it's just, the, <laughs> it's just I and me and myself, right? Like it's just, it's all about you. It's all about you versus that. And that's, again, it's- it doesn't mean just somebody's bragging about themselves. That's just a higher form of ego. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. It just means that the ego basically just means I'm thinking about myself or me or I at all times. Like, okay, what am I thinking about? What is this person doing? Like, that's ego. That is, that is it. And it's, it's derived from the self-concept you built. So when you go to your body, it's impossible to keep your attention in both places. It'll, again, it'll switch in nanoseconds. But if you keep your presence there, like um, Romney Maharshi used to say that if you put your attention right between your eyes and you hold there, you'll become enlightened. And again, but think about how difficult that is to do throughout your day. You, you hold it there. You put all your attention, your focus right between your eyebrows and you just keep pulling it back, keep pulling it back there. Eventually, you'll just become enlightened because what you're really doing is you're realizing you're, what you're, you're, you're training yourself 
to to no longer allow the psyche, the self concept you built, to grab your attention. That's it. It's, there's like there's this separate entity that's in there, and it's just running. Right. I like to think of it as like a in the mind. It's like a two year old toddler having a fit in there, and you're paying attention to it. And that's all you're doing. And it's like if there's a two year old toddler in a store that's throwing a fit, and you're like, here, just take this, or let me buy you this. And that's what we're doing with life, by the way. We're just doing that to the mind. But it's not always ne- is the but the mind's not always negative, right? I, no, it's not. But the majority of it is. I mean, if you want to say I'm like ninety, I'm just like I'm just saying, like, if you yeah. want to say ninety percent of, and I don't mean like negative. It's like suffering, like you know, having a divorce or like somebody's dying. I mean, like there's you're not in a state of all the stories joy. That are going on are like <laughs> negative stories. Yeah. I mean, again, if if you take the highest state that you've ever felt and you're not feeling that, then that means there's a negativity going on. That's as simple as that. I know people don't like to hear because they all people are doing is judging their relativity based on how they feel currently. And and most people can do a pretty decent job of getting it relatively okay throughout the day. There are this underlying kind of anxiety or tension that's there, but then people kind of work to make that happen and kind of work to get it relatively okay or whatever they do to kind of massage that until bigger things show up and they have to really do it. Whereas if you can just not pay attention to that anymore, and not have to actually go down that path, you actually start to feel this energy that's uplifting instead of this energy that's that's not. And it, and it just dawns on you at one point, like, where does this come from? Where is this source of energy coming from? I mean, it's a deeper conversation, but yeah. Yeah, but I, okay, so so let's just use the, the thing we were talking about, lacrosse. Like, you really enjoyed lacrosse last night. So are you not having all your thoughts are negative throughout that entire experience? No, I didn't have any thoughts about it. I was, I literally went in there with no, that's why I just enjoyed it so much. I just enjoyed the experience of it. But yet when we were talking about it, you were having positive words about it. So aren't yeah, it those positive thoughts? I mean, sure. Thoughts, positive or negative, they come and go. I'm just not paying attention to them. And I'm just actually experiencing thoughts themselves, positive or negative, can create the, um, the upward or lower flow of energy is which is what you're feeling and experiencing. But if you're not paying attention to your thoughts, there's a natural upward flow of energy that's just there constantly. Mm-hmm. And that's what you pay attention to. And that's what you put your attention on. And as you're doing that, then I just happen to be playing lacrosse. Mm-hmm. I just happen to be in a meeting or doing a podcast with you. And it's not, it doesn't mean again, um, one of the, uh, enlightened masters, um, uh, was asked, uh, uh, and I think she, actually like Michael Singer tells the story. So I think he was actually there. Uh, and when, and when they asked him, they said, does uh, enlightened master uh, feel anger or uh, frustration? And they go, well, of course, but it's like running on water. And I use that example before, but I think it's just mm-hmm. a great example of what it is. It's there, but not there. It's there, but gone instantly. So it doesn't mean, think about how many thoughts you've had this morning that have just come and gone. You're not thinking about them anymore. They just, yeah, they didn't, yeah. they didn't bother you. They just come and they just come and went. Like when you looked okay. outside, like when you look outside right now, like you see a bunch of trees, right? If you just look outside and there's yes. not really many thoughts about those, that's just experiencing life. If you just do that with everything, there is no, the only reason why people are trying to get okay is because of the disturbance they've caused inside about it not being okay. And then the mind goes, well, shit, you asking me again, I got to go figure this out for you. 
<laughs> that's what we're doing. Instead of when it ignored, when you just ignore it, the guest quickly leaves. That that starts to put at bay, and that's why one of the techniques is to always go to your body. Eckhart Tolle actually teaches that a lot in all his books. He teaches about going to your hands or your feet when you're when you're when you have awareness to put your energy somewhere. Because when you don't have the awareness, you're lost. That means you're unconscious because you you're not aware that you're not aware. Even though you're always conscious, you're not aware that you're you're so lost lost in it. And then you come back to seat of self, and that back to seat of self. I know it's a big word. All it means when you come back to that, it just means I'm now aware that I was lost in thought. We've all done that, right? That's what the seat of consciousness. Because now you're back here. Now you have control again over your energy, or your conscious, and where it goes. And so then when you put it towards your hands, you're not putting yourself or not allowing the mind to grab you. I was just thinking, I, I, I don't know if this is a universally true statement, but I do wonder if that's why a lot of spiritual practices are also physical practices. I mean, I don't know if all yeah, of them are, but or like or you know, yoga, was, yoga I mean, or Tai Chi or even I think a lot of, I mean, people just, not people, but spiritual teachers just encourage sure. physical activity, walking, yeah. all that stuff. Or even even just deep breathing, right? Yeah. You don't have to be walking. Like breath work is one of the – you ever think about breath too, right? It's, just, it's one of the um, – I think the only – I think likely the only form that we can control, but it's also automatic. Like you can control the regulation of your breath, but if you don't want to control it, it happens automatically. That doesn't work for your heart or your brain or anything else, right? Your pancreas is like you can't control your pancreas, right? You can't even control your heart, right? at this level, but you can control your breath, which is really interesting. That's why breath is such a powerful form of artwork in terms of for the connection between the body and consciousness, because it is something you can control, but it's something that also happens automatically. If you actually just held your breath to try to like kill yourself, you would actually pass out and you would start breathing by yourself. And what you wouldn't let you do, right? So part of that is, is literally, that's why breath work is so important because it's, it's a kind of a connection point between all of it. I think there's more to come from that as we we see these different sides, but that's why that's why breathing yoga yoga in in, in really Sanskrit, I believe, I think Sanskrit means union, right? It Sanskrit. means merger, right? It's like it's like a it's a connection point. Um, that I know that I don't know if it's if it's from Sanskrit or where it comes from, but yoga then the the definition of that is like a merger or union, and that's where they kind of like the 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 union of your body and consciousness, and that's why you use breath as that guide, but also moving so you feel your body, so you're in it when you're doing all those different things, and that becomes a that's why like even in TM, if you just go in the TM, like they teach you apasanas, right? Like um, where they're they're basically simple techniques you can do that are movement related. To, to put you in that state, to kind of feel your body more, to kind of understand that you're having this body experience, that you do have a body. You're not the body, right? But you're having this body experience and you're, and you're bringing your energy to that as well too. Since we're kind of just, just talking about this, when I meditated last week with, with Janet, I actually did feel my body, which is really weird because, well, you know, I don't normally like pay attention, but I had this like, weird experience and I told her about it where I'm meditating and like I literally felt like I was like being pushed down and like back in the chair, like yeah. really, really heavy. But what does that mean? I, yeah, I wouldn't even think about it. I'm not okay. even going to try to – Like, it's, it, the worst thing that you can do is try to use your mind and intellectually understand what experience you had. I know. I, you, and you while just, I was in it, I yeah. there were – I mean I kept trying to go back to the mantra and while I was in it, I was almost like – 
hope I'm not like, I almost felt like paralyzed almost. Yeah, I'm like, I hope I. That's only the mind. Okay. I think I'm fine. I'm going to keep, keep yeah. going. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. That again, that's a, that's, those are, those are wonderful experiences. I mean, in, in any meditation, the experience is wonderful, but again, I think part of the techniques that, um, and the teachings that I've learned and that I really, uh, want to teach is the root teachings of the experience that you can have permanently. And, and again, meditation is great. It gives you glimpses in those things, but talking about a previous experience that you had is, is in the past. It's not about like in this moment, how do you make sure that you are focused and keeping yourself in the seat of consciousness or witness consciousness or, or keeping yourself present, which is way more important than trying to hold on and try to make the other moments match the other moment. I like this experience better trying to analyze it. To me, it's about learning. Oh, learning's different. Yeah. Learning's different, but again, I'm trying you to could, hold on to it. I'm just trying to learn. Sure. Just be careful. You're not trying to learn, hold on to it. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it. you are yeah. just in general for people listening. Cause there, you, a lot of people go, I had this wonderful experience. It's fine. You can share. It's wonderful. Yeah. I just, I, the way I've been taught this is just to, okay, that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Where are you right now? Wonderful is even a judgment word. Just yeah. saying. Whatever. I just, yeah. I just use vocab yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I like um, to say interesting. Like, hmm, that's, it's just an experience that I was able experience. to have. Yeah. Everything. Like even when things are like when the, when, like if you're feeling anxiousness, like uh, the words I'll use, like wow, I'm just I'm experiencing this anxiousness. What a really cool gift this is! And it's funny, the minute you take that that approach to it, it just starts to fade away. The it just starts to evaporate and it starts to move, and it no longer has this. It's it's not that it's not there; it just no longer grabs you anymore. Okay, question though: Why do you use positive affirmation or something when you're experiencing something like that? Well. Because it, positive affirmation is a great technique to use. It keeps anything you can do to keep yourself in a state of presence, okay. you should do it. And positive affirmation is the first technique that you can use. I guess you could suppress it. I guess it would be the first one, but that would that's only for extreme cases. And I would never suggest people suppress it unless you're sitting face-to-face with your boss and they're yeah. screaming at you and you may need to suppress it for a little while. Make sure you consciously release it. Right, right. And that you're knowing that you're consciously suppressing it. The I second step yeah. to that would be positive affirmation, which right. we use all the time. Again, it's it's the only reason why there's negatives in there, by the way, is because that's what... The only reason we need positive affirmation is because there's negative in there. At some point, I'm not there, but at some point, there just tends to not be nearly as much negative. But I've heard I've heard Eckhart Tolle to Adi Shanti to Michael Singer yeah. use positive affirmations in their, in their life still, like as a as a technique when they need it. Because I guess I just wonder anything, why it's not a more neutral statement. Like, oh, I'm feeling really, I've, I'm feeling, I'm having a really anxious experience right now. Okay. Well, for me, the way I, and I can only explain it from my experience, yeah. it's the fastest way for me to not have that experience have okay. any power over me. And so whatever I can do to get that yeah. out there to neutralize the energy, I'm happy to do it. And when you use positive affirmation, you tend to neutralize it. So it's no longer, feel, like if you start to feel anxiety, it's almost like you welcome it up. Like, oh, come on in, come on in, right? I heard uh, Michael Singer talk about this before. When back, he always calls his like psyche Mickey, right? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. when, when Mickey used to, he's like, we're in Southern Florida. He's like, so when, when it used to be really hot out there and we have air conditioning when I first moved out here in the middle of summer, right? And he's like, I would go, and he said, I would, I would, use positive affirmation with Mickey and being like, well, why is it hot out here? And he's like, I can feel a sun, which is a sun is a star from 300 miles away. And I can feel its energy. And just, he he uses some level of intellect and positive affirmation to neutralize Mickey trying to grab him. And it's just an example. It's the same thing. We all going to do this. Positive affirmation is way better than allowing yourself to get caught in it. 
And then the second step in this whole thing would be using some some sort of mantra that's always going on. And it took me a little while to understand that one, which is that mantra is like, you can can just say, I'm okay. Like, I can handle this. I can handle this. And it's just constantly going on in your background. Mm -hmm. um, And like, you can always fall back into that rhythm. So the minute something happens and maybe you forget about positive affirmation, you get nervous and you go, I can handle this. I can just start showing up and you go, oh, there it is. And you handle it and and it starts to transmute the energy or uh, neutralize energy. And the third one is to really, which is surrender, which is transmuting energy, which is an energy comes up. You're able to sit there and take a more neutral standpoint. You don't need positive affirmation. You don't have to go to your mantra and you true you kind of bypass both those steps and you allow the experience to actually work your way through you. And you're just sitting there in the really truly feeling the experience in the body and everything you're doing that transmutes the energy and it starts to that's why in meditation you're transmuting energy and it starts to uplift you and feel you more because you're allowing the true experience to come through that is the highest technique that you can use that is sur- what surrender ultimately means that is what letting go ultimately means that's what the, the highest form you can do this um last comment before we go though the thing that i would that i would i we can do an episode on this you're starting to feel your body for the, just maybe you, but anybody mm-hmm, feeling mm-hmm. your body for the first time, I would, I would argue that m- most people have never actually felt their heart either. And, and I would say people think they feel their heart, but they haven't really felt, felt they've only, if your heart can be felt from one to a hundred, I think most people have felt their heart on the scale of less than five of what it actually is capable of feeling. And that's the next phase of what you do is once you're willing to allow your body to experience it, you allow that you realize that you have this whole spiritual heart that you can truly feel uh, in a whole different way the minute you're, you're willing to allow that experience to be felt that depth. Hey everybody, before you go, Helen and I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful if you could support us by leaving a review. It does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you. Thank you.